Hi, this is Elliot Fishman, and welcome to our latest vodcast. And this is the first one I'm doing in the 2018 year. And this is on coronary arteries. And this is a talk I've given before in part, but it's updated. I did this as part of the RSNA uh, refresher course on cardiac CT. And it's a pleasure to be invited there by NASCI to speak. And I spoke about coronary artery disease. And you'll see there'll be several parts to this talk. And the focus in the first, at least the first talk, will be on the use of cardiac CT for looking at the coronary arteries from the principle of uh, calcium and calcium scoring and everything you need to know about calcium scoring, but we're afraid to ask. Now, when I did this talk at RSNA, what happens is, is you do it as a quiz, so I discuss cases, I show examples, I ask questions, and so all of you are at home, so you're just going to have to act like you're, you have a quiz thing in front of you and say A, B, C, D, E, whatever the answer is. And again, I've tried not to make this esoteric. It's very easy to do many things with real esoteric examples, but I try to do it really as what things are going to come across your desk and how are you going to manage them. So let's start with this first patient, 55-year-old male with a history of atypical chest pain and had a coronary artery calcium scoring prior to a cardiac CTA. And when you look at the images, you can see I'm showing you calcified plaque in the patient's LAD, and I am telling you that the Agassiz score was 137. Okay? So knowing that, and just remember that for a moment, I'm going to ask you a question. By current guidelines, you're required to do a calcium score before performing a cardiac CTA. That's a good question. Think about what do you do in practice? Do you always do a calcium score first or sometimes don't you? Well, there is no requirement, okay? But there is recommendations and there's best practices which we follow. So let me tell you some example, some, some statements. This article by Tories, the acquisition of a coronary calcium score and every symptomatic patient refers for coronary CT angiography requires a case-by-case -case approach. So in his article, really made the point that not everybody should probably get a calcium score. Of course, that brings you to the question what patients should and what patients shouldn't. And it's interesting, as cardiac CT doses have come down, the calcium score becomes more important in the sense when you were doing a coronary CTA of 15 to 20 millisieverts, one more or one and a half more millisieverts would not matter. When the, score, when the CTA is under five millisieverts, well, then another one will indeed matter. So we've looked at this ourselves, uh, figuring out what can we do, what patients should we do this for, and what patients shouldn't we do it for. And there really is several rules that most people indeed will follow. One of the rules, of course, relates to age. In younger patients, perhaps a calcium score is not valuable. If you do a cardiac CT in a 20-year-old, you're looking for typically or possibly some type of anomaly or some fistula. You're not worrying about coronary artery disease. And so maybe those patients, it's a waste of uh, dose to do a calcium score. That might be one good example. And so I'll ask you the question, is there an age when you don't get a calcium score? And in our practice, 30 seems to be a good number. 
And in this article by Mahesh, that was the number we used, and that's indeed a very, very uh, common number. You could argue 35, but 30 seems to be a number that everybody will agree with. Of course, an important thing to remember is you can do dose reduction with calcium scoring. Iterative reconstruction may help lowering tube voltage from 120 to 100, for example, minimizing the length of the topogram. And then perhaps in the future, we'll be able to get the calcium score from the contrast study that you won't need a separate acquisition, non-contrast. But again, age 30 may be one of the, uh, one of the rules. Now, calcium scoring in general has evolved from being an unclear study, when do you do it, to more specifics. And if I ask the question, and you can guess the answer, by the way, I ask the question, are there ACI guidelines? Well, the truth is, is ACR guidelines for everything, and for calcium scoring, there indeed is. And this article was written a few years ago by Earls, who was the lead author. Calcium score is a marker of vascular injury that closely correlates with the overall burden of atherosclerotic disease. Individual data derived from this and other imaging tests provide useful prognostic information for patient management and can complement current risk prediction models. So you can see that the reason we do calcium scoring is because it has direct patient outcome. You make decisions based on the score and how you manage the patient. Whether you're giving them um, different medications or not may be one example. And for example, what one of the things that was done in this article was to divide patients into three categories. The low-risk group, and in that scenario, it was typically felt that calcium scoring or any study was just not going to be useful. And you can see, for example, uh, calcium scoring got a 3 rating. Remember, with the ACR system, 1 to 9, 9 being the best score, 3 is just no, don't do it. However, if you go to intermediate risk patients, calcium was determined to be usually appropriate as it can help stratify and reclassify patients. Remember that a higher calcium score on an intermediate risk patient would mean more aggressive management, so it can be helpful. And in this scenario, calcium scoring was given an eight. They didn't recommend doing a screening cardiac CTA. You can see that's just a three, though some people might suggest it, but calcium scoring was an eight. And then of course in high risk patients is kind of interesting. High risk patients should be managed aggressively, so whether the calcium score is zero or 300, it shouldn't make a difference. Their treatment should be the same. Um, it, perhaps other studies may be of value, but none of them got more than a five, and coronary uh, calcium score alone only got a three. So you can see that intermediate risk patient is really the one where it works best. Now many people do say, of course, that it's hard to put people into low and intermediate categories. It can be somewhat tricky. This article by Nasir makes the point that 25 million people will die of stroke or heart disease with 80% of this burden occurring in developing countries. And in half the patients, the initial presentation is either infarct or sudden death. And they go on to make the point, of course, that conventional risk factors are probably in the 65 to 80% accuracy range, but with calcium scoring, you have another factor that really increases your ability to triage patients and predict risk in vulnerable groups. So indeed, that becomes very, very valuable. So again, the push now is to do calcium scoring, but again, under age 30, not to do it. So again, that can be very helpful for you.
So let's go back to that same patient, Agassin score 137. If I ask you the question, what's the likelihood that the patient has a significant stenosis in that LAD, I give you a few choices, but it's important to understand what calcium score tells us. It tells us there's calcified plaque, the patient's at higher risk for disease, but we know that the presence of calcium is not the same thing as the presence of stenosis. There's no doubt that the higher your score, the more likely you are to have significant disease, but it's not a one-to-one -one relationship. And so there's no way I could determine the likelihood of a high-grade stenosis. Very important point. Now, when you look at calcium score, of course, zero is the best score you can get. Everyone strives for zero. It's the only thing in the world where people want to get a zero. But does that mean normal coronary arteries? That's the question. I think the answer is yes, it's a great score to get, but B, it's not the same thing as normal coronary arteries, so the answer is false. Nasir makes the point, of course, that a zero calcium score is the most powerful negative risk factor for development of coronary events. But again, Lau clearly shows that the absence of calcium is not the same thing as the absence of coronary artery disease. Kelly did a study where they looked at negative calcium scores and they looked at the patient's coronary CTAs and they found that 12 patients with a, with a zero calcium score had at least moderate stenosis, five had severe stenosis, and eight of the 12 patients had to undergo stenting. A considerable atheroma burden, including significant stenosis, may be present in patients with no coronary calcification. So again, it's a great score to get, but it doesn't mean you have perfect coronary arteries. So in this case, Agassin's score is zero, but this patient has a high-grade stenosis in the LAD. You can see as I go through the images, high-grade stenosis, proximal LAD, here it is in 3D, here it is in cinematic, but there's no calcium. And so it's very important to understand what it means. If you wanted to exclude coronary disease, that's why when we talk in a few moments about the ER setting, you can't do a calcium score in the ER typically and say, oh, zero score, discharge the patient. It's more likely with a zero score, you're not gonna have any significant disease, but it does not exclude significant disease. And an article by Valeri, Prevalence of coronary artery disease in non-calcified segments is lower than in segments with mild, moderate, severe calcification. So again, that reinforces the point I made a moment ago. Another question, and this is particularly important when you practice like we do in inner city hospitals. And if I ask the question, is there any difference between the calcium scores of patients who are Caucasian and patients who are African-American? Is it all the same? Is a zero a zero? Is a 10 a 10? Well, the answer is there is a difference, and it's important to recognize that calcium scoring uh, tends to underestimate total plaque burden in African Americans. And that indeed is very, very important, particularly when you're in an inner city hospital. So there, an Agassiz score of zero probably means less than in a patient who was a white patient, Caucasian patient. So again, this article by Jay Nance makes that point very nicely. Let me ask you a few other questions, as long as we're asking questions. When I talk about calcium scoring, I'm talking about a dedicated study that we do for calcium scoring that's gated. But we all do millions of 
chest CTs with or without contrast, whether pneumonia, cough, whether it's for staging cancers. My question is, should you routinely look at the coronary arteries? Are you required to look at the coronary arteries? Well, the answer is we all know in radiology, if it's there, we're required to look at it. So the answer is yes, you should. This article by Williams made the point that radiologists often undercalled on routine chest CT, the presence of calcium. They just simply left it out, okay? Left anterior descending calcification was evident in 188 patients but reported in only 3%. This underreporting is indeed very important because the presence of calcium means you may need to be worked up. It means that the patient has coronary artery disease and the fact they're getting a CT for another reason just gives you the opportunity to help the patient's long-term management. And so this article by Pedakman, it's estimated that in 07, 13 million chest CTs were performed with less than a million being ECG gated, which means 12 million are not done for coronary disease. Since calcium scoring is often observed on standard non-contrast CT without gating, there is an opportunity to use this information to implement preventive management in a large number of patients not known to have coronary atherosclerosis. So Pat Kamin goes on to say, a true calcium score of zero can only reliably be determined by gated studies. And so the fact and the point they make is, when you see calcium on a regular CT, it's more likely it's a higher score. If you don't see calcium on a non-gated study, it doesn't mean the patient has a zero score because it's much easier to miss minimal calcification. And that's a very good point. If you have extensive calcification, it's much easier to see, though again, maybe you can't score it, but you know it's extensive. And this is a picture from their article where they show a gated CT with dense calcification, non-gated, but still shows you reasonable calcification, gated with a fleck of calcium, and non-gated where you don't see it. So again, it's important to recognize we're not replacing a routine chest CT for a calcium score, but as long as you have the information, you need to look at it. And that's something we know in all of radiology. And again, unfortunately, cardiac findings are often overlooked on CT and may not be reported. Based on the high impact of incidental coronary calcifications, we recommend increased attention to incidental coronary calcifications. So again, it's something you need to do. Now the question might be, should you um, then get a calcium score in a patient when it's positive? If you want to get an absolute score, the answer would be yes. But again, Pat Atkin makes the point, discussion with patients regarding preventive lifestyle modifications, including healthy heart diet and aerobic exercise, would be appropriate when calcium is found. So it is an important finding. Now, a couple other things that have been published. Uh, this is an article by Hecht in part of the consensus study. Consistent with prior guidelines from the SCCT, calcium scoring of non-contrast chest CTs is appropriate in all lung cancer screening patients and patients over age 40. The presence of calcium should be noted in the report of all studies, okay? So everyone agrees and that's your responsibility. So if you see calcification, it looks extensive in the, mention it in the, in the report, and but then in the discussion, in the impression, make sure you put it down that further evaluation is necessary. Um, a question about scoring, is there a mortality increase when the score is above 1,000? The answer indeed is yes. 
This article by Patel, Increased Calcium Plaque in Coronaries, continues to predict a greater decrease in survival with scores above 1,000. And when you looked at it a bit more carefully, scores above 1,000 to 1,500, 1,500 to 2,000 or over 2,000 were associated with an 8, 7.5, or 13.2-fold increased mortality risk than for a score of zero. So that indeed becomes very, very important. So it's really important to understand that. So the higher scores are going to be particularly uh, worrisome. Okay, what else? Patient then, another patient. And I'll tell you what we'll do. Why don't we stop right here? And I'm going to ask you the question so you can think about it, and then we'll come back. 62-year-old has atypical chest pain. A calcium score is done, and it's 1186. That's a really high score. Now the question is, should you go ahead and do the coronary CTA? That's a great question, right? Is there a point where you won't do a coronary CTA because the calcium score is too high? We know the higher the calcium score, the more difficult it is to interpret a scan. But is there a point where you say, nah, I don't think we're going to get good information. Let's stop the study right here. So you think about that. And we'll come back in five minutes. Bye.